Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. For those that grew up in this, that should trigger something, the fact that Hebrews 11, if you grew up in this, if not, uh, trust me, we're going to implement some stuff in you this morning, the Word of God. But before, uh, as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray real quick. The Passion Translation. Um, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, you're so awesome. We love you. We honor you. Thank you for being you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for showing up and showing out, Lord. I thank you that you you don't leave just because we moved on towards the message, Lord, but in fact, Lord, you are still here. We are echoing what you want to say. And Lord, we uh, we are going to, we are open to what you want to do. Lord, I thank you for healing hearts this morning. I thank you for transforming lives. Lord, I thank you for removing wounds, especially old wounds. Yeah, I feel that. Lord, I thank you for removing old wounds this morning, God. Lord, I thank you for I thank you for dissolving triggers within us, Lord. Those those uh, unhealthy emotional triggers, those un, unhealthy mental triggers. I thank you for you washing those away, Lord. Washing those away with your peace, your uh, your peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. We don't know how that we're able to hold our head up. We don't know how we're able to look in the mirror. We don't know how we're able to move, Lord, and do. But uh, in in a sense, all of it, the reason we're able to do these things is because of you, Lord. Because of you, Lord. Your word says in, in Acts chapter 17, we live, we move, we have our being in you, God. So, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. I thank you for speaking through me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, Today, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Today, we're going to start a new series. We're going to start a new series for um, all the way up until December 24th um, called The Season of Advent. Somebody say Advent. So I, I, I love the season of Advent. It is probably um, it is probably one of my favorite seasons, one of my favorite things to talk about, which I say that a lot because, you know, I think when we was talking about Reformation Sunday, I was like, oh, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I guess I have a lot of favorite things. Um, have a lot of favorite worship songs because every service I always say, oh, my favorite worship song in the chorus it says this, or the bridge says So I got a lot of favorites. So sorry that but um if you ever heard of the season of advent or if you ever heard advent advent is it is the it's the period of time in between thanksgiving and christmas so it's right after um it's right after thanksgiving is ended um it's right before christmas it's the it's the in between somebody say the in between so i like this because advent it is um it's latin for adventus which adventus all that means is coming so when we say the season of Advent, we're saying the season of coming. It's the, it's the period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, a.k.a. Christmas, a.k.a. Epiphany. And also it's where we prepare for the second coming of Christ. So Advent, it begins uh, the first Sunday, the closest Sunday to November 30th every year. So it runs from November 30th and for four weeks straight, four Sundays straight, all the way to December 24th. And... Um, Within this, uh, because Epiphany and Christmas is on December 25th, that's when we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus. That's when we celebrate Jesus entering into the world. Now, if you ever look up online or go to certain churches, there's this thing called an Advent wreath. You know, like, 
you know, growing up, mom would make all these kind of wreaths. She would, she would do all these extra things, all these wreaths. But there is an Advent wreath. Um, I was going to try to make one, but I didn't plan it right. But anyways, thank God for virtual. So on an Advent wreath, most time you would normally just see four candles. Now, some denominations, they do five. And like this one, we see five. Now, uh, the four candles, they represent something each. But the colors, I want you to notice, the colors are purple, um, and then rose, and then, of course, white. Now, the rose, uh, starting with the first candle. So the first candle, literally, it's week one. It, it represents hope and faith. Second candle represents uh, peace, week two, peace. Um, week three is love, and week four is joy. Now, the fourth candle should be uh, is always going to be the rose candle. And on the fourth week, you light that candle and you celebrate joy because you are, you know, you're leading up to when Jesus was born, you know, the, at least the date that we celebrate it. Now, the white candle represents Christ, Christ entering into the world. And you would light the white candle on December 25th because that is the day that he was born, at least the way we celebrate it. So each week you would light a separate candle. And I, in my imagination, I saw myself trying to light a candle in front of us to have that display. And then I just, you know, my imagination saw something just going haywire and having to grab the fire extinguisher and all that on that side. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, probably a good thing we didn't. It's probably a good thing Walmart didn't have uh, the candles. I mean, I figured it was Black Friday and everybody would be taking toys. But I guess somebody's like, we need Advent candles. So they took all the Advent candles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they probably didn't. That's just in my imagination. This is how it went. But so, like I said, week one is hope and faith, week two is peace, week three is love, and week four is joy. And today we're going to be talking about hope and faith. But the reason I love this, I mean, again, before we really get into it, I want to uh, remind you that Advent is all about celebrating the birth of Jesus and his soon return. The birth of Jesus and the second coming. Now, obviously, Jesus has already been born, so we can't really build our hearts up to be expecting, you know, him to be born on December 25th. But on this side of history, we can prepare our hearts for him to return, whether it's December 25th or whether it's after, whether it's before. So there's three practices that we that we that we want to follow during this time, during this time all the way up until Christmas and even after. And those three practices are waiting with expectancy. Waiting with expectancy. That's one. Hopeful anticipation is two. And then joyful preparation. So during this time in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we want to practice waiting with expectancy. We want to practice having hopeful anticipation. And then joyful preparation. See, Advent, it's, it's different than Lent. Because in Advent, we're commemorating the birth of Jesus and we're welcoming God into our lives. We're preparing for his second coming. We're preparing for his second coming. Now, growing up, I remember seeing like the little Advent chocolate candles, chocolate candy uh, calendars and, you know, all these different things. Even Starbucks has like this Advent countdown and all this stuff. You know, as, 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 much, as, I, as much as those things, you know, they sound pretty, they look good, they probably taste good, especially the, the coffee. That, in a sense, is not Advent. All right, now it's good. I'm not like criticizing. I'm not saying that if you're doing those things, shame on you. Not not saying all you building up your own kingdom, you know, in your Advent calendar. Not saying all that. But what I'm saying is what Advent truly is. The best way to describe Advent is think about it this way. Everybody, all the all the yeah yeah everybody, just say with me, everyone. Everyone. 
There we go. The best way to describe Advent is this analogy. Think about this. The President of the United States, you know, his, uh, his, his legal, or not legal team, but his, you know, his team of people, his sphere of influence, all those, some, uh, somebody out of that, his secretary, they reach out to you and uh, they say, okay, the President of the United States is going to be coming over your house today at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, yeah, I, I got, that's the kind of facial expressions I thought. Immediately, you're going to, you're going to, excuse me, you know, we don't do that anymore, but some of y'all, you're going to find it, you're, excuse me, you're like, hey, Lindsay, I'll catch, I'll catch this on the podcast, I love you. Immediately, you're going to run home, and you're going to do what? You're going to clean, right? You're going to, you, you are cleaning your home, you're going to straighten everything up. If it ain't straight, you're going to straighten, if it ain't painted, you about to paint it. Uh, if it ain't cooked, you about to, you about to learn to cook it or about to go buy it real quick. And if Walmart ain't got it, you about to bless them out because they <laughs> But you're you're preparing your home for the, the coming of the president. You know, why? Because there's things that you want in order for him to walk in and see. Why? Because he's going to be in, you know, he, uh, your home is a reflection of who you are. And if the president of the United States is coming, doesn't matter if you voted for him or not. Doesn't matter if you like them or not. Doesn't matter if you registered for that particular party or not. Doesn't matter if you did vote. Um, at the end of the day, somebody of importance is coming to your home and you're going to prepare for his arrival. That's all Advent is. That's all Advent is. We are just preparing for the arrival of Jesus. We're preparing our hearts and our minds. We're preparing our hearts and our minds. I'm going to say it again. We are preparing our hearts and minds. Now, said in week one, so imagine, you know, we have the wreath. Uh, we, we just lit the candle. So in week one, which starts today, we are going to be talking about hope and faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in the Passion Translation, starting in verse 1, <clears throat> if you have it, you can turn there. If not, we'll put it on the screen. Verse 1, the author of Hebrews writes this. He says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Faith is moved, able, faith moved, able, excuse me, to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith. By his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long dead. Faith translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. Verse 6, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. Will you put verse 1 back up there for me? So I love this. Um, I'm going to tell you a quick story real quick. But anytime I think of Hebrews chapter 11, I think of the hall of faith. Growing up, you know, uh, they would always teach us Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith. You know, you had the hall of fame in the sports world, all the greats, all the goats, only one goat in basketball, but still the other goats of the other sports. You know, they all go to the hall of fame and you got the goats and then all the others that did good. They, they tried, you know, they really tried. But then you got you got him right there. I, I mean, I think I've mentioned him enough, but still, I mean, you know, it's not like he's endorsing this service. But if he wants to, we accept his offering. Hallelujah. Um, but, you know, in the sports world, you have the Hall of Fame. Everybody's done all these accolades go in there. And in the Hebrews 11, you know, we've deemed it, man has deemed it the Hall of Faith 
you know, all the, all the greats, all the people that, and it's so, it's, what's so cool about it is what got them into this category is just believing. It's just believing it. it wasn't paying the right amount of money. It wasn't showing, it wasn't having a consistent streak of every service. They were there, they were there. It wasn't sweeping the, it was, no, it was just believing God. And faith in the Greek is firm persuasion. It's that grip, it's that firm persuasion. But I'll, anytime I think of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, um, you know, it says now, some translations say, now faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. And every, if you, if you uh, does anybody in here remember Brother Norval Hayes? Yeah, yeah, all right. So our, our Brother Norval Hayes used to tell this story about um, how he was, uh, he was teaching one day, and he, uh, he asked this young man, he said, young man, what is faith? And, you know, the young man, he stood up because he's like, oh, I got this. You know, there's sometimes when somebody asks you a question, you're like, oh. And then there's sometimes when people ask you a question, you know the answer. You're like, oh, watch, watch this, people. You know, like you pretend, for me, I pretend there's a TV crew watching. I'm like, I turn to the camera like, watch this. I'm about to, about to blow them out. And he's like, well, brother, normal faith is the substance and hope for the evidence of things not seen. He quotes Hebrews 11.1. 1. And uh, brother normal says, you're wrong. And uh, the young man's like, yeah, maybe, you know, he's, he's getting a little bit older, so maybe he just didn't hear me. He says, well, brother normal faith is the substance things hope for the evidence is not seen. He said, that's not faith, young man. What is faith? And this, they went on and back, forth, back and forth, and the young man started getting annoyed. He's like, man, what is, like, what is, brother normal, this is the start to the end. This is the start of his, he is declining, he is losing it. The scripture says, and uh, so he quotes it again, he says, no, I want you to open Hebrews 11 when it reads it. So he says, read it word for word. So he opens it up, he says, now faith, and he slaps him, he says, faith is now. He said, faith isn't just a substance you hope for. He said, no, faith is now. Now faith is the substance of thing hoped for. They haven't seen, not seen. Your firm persuasion of God has to be now. It can't be based off of grandma. It can't be based off the past. It can't be based off of yesterday. Yes, it's good to remember what he's done for us in the past. But at the same time, you got to have that grip on him now. Now. Somebody say now. now. We live in a world now more than ever that you need to have that grip on who God said he is. You need to believe that, you know what, God, God is who he said he is. He is not going to leave me. He's not going to forsaken me. Yes, the world is getting crazy. Yes, sickness after sickness. Yes, people are leaving my life. Yes, the economy is not the greatest. Yes, it is getting close to the end of the year, and maybe things aren't the way we want them to be. But at the end of the day, your faith in God needs to be right now. Amen? Amen. Right now. And I remember when he told that story, I've never forgotten it, obviously. That was years ago, but I've never forgotten that faith is now. Now faith. Every translation you look at, it always starts out as now faith. Now faith. Now faith. Now faith. So now faith, uh, and like I said earlier, the Greek word for faith in this context means firm persuasion. Firm persuasion. It, so if, if, we, if we were to put that definition every time we saw faith, literally it would read faith, a.k.a. firm persuasion, is the vehicle that carries our hopes into reality. Your firm persuasion and the promises of God is what carries your hope into reality. It's what takes your hopes from here to here. Takes your hopes from here to here. Let me, let me see you do the motions. I'll mislead the sound. From here to here. Hey, one more time. From here uh-huh, to here. Get, get, get a little cute with it. From here to here. You're going to remember that. You're going to remember that when you need, when you're like, God, I don't see it. Okay, well, is it still here? Because if it's still here, I need it. Okay, I, well, what's causing me not to believe God? What's causing me not to believe God? 
I, th- I thought it was just having circumstance that we, that we would sing that song, believe it, but now I see that it played right into what God was wanting to do today. If it's, if it's not here, maybe we need to check and make sure, okay, Lord, am I believing you right? Not am I believing you, not, am I believing you right? What, what's, what's, what's holding me up from truly believing? What, is there any doubt that I have when you said that you was going to make a way? Is there any doubt that I have when you said you was going to take care of this even though I have to go back to work or I have to, I have to see this person again or I know what they said, I know what they did. Is there, where's the doubt at, God? Because I know in order to get it, from, to get it here, I got to make sure it's, it's here. Because if it's not here, most likely it's not even here. Mm. That'll preach. Let that marinate. To exercise faith is to have confidence about an expectation without visible proof that it will happen. To really walk in faith, to exercise faith, is to have confidence that it will happen even when you don't have visible proof. That even when you can't see it, it's going to happen. You know, when Kelsey got pregnant with Cohen, we had faith that, guess what, nine months we was going to have a baby. Couldn't see it, couldn't smell it, couldn't touch it. She could feel it, obviously. I couldn't. I, I, you know, I just go by based off you know, the signs, the symptoms, the, the cravings, the cravings that I had, too. It's funny how that works. It's funny how that works. But, like I, but physically, we couldn't touch baby Cohen. But we, but we had faith that nine months later, he was going to be here. So what's stopping us from having faith in God? You know, we, we, all go to, we all go to work and expect in a week or two weeks that uh, miraculously either a check is going to be deposited in our account or we're going to have a paper check. We, <laughs> we have faith at some point. <laughs> we're going we're to we're we're have money. We can't see it. We can't see the money that uh, we make every day going into the account and going through the, uh, through the government and, and paying all the taxes and all these different things. We can't see it. We can't touch it. Can't taste it. If you taste it, it's nasty. We can't do all that. But we have faith that, you know what, in due time, we're going to get paid. Amen. What's stopping us from having faith in God? We have a firm persuasion on what we can do physically. Mm, we have a firm persuasion on what we can do physically. And here's the thing. Our record isn't as good compared to God. Amen. Our winning streak, I know you may love yourself. I know you may think highly of yourself. I know you may think, okay, I pressed my clothes this morning or yesterday. I'm good. But at the end of the day, your winning streak is nothing compared to God's. And that shouldn't be, and we shouldn't use that as something to beat ourselves up. In fact, we should use it as encouragement. Amen. That even on my worst day, guess what? God's not affected. Amen. Even on your worst day, God is not affected by it. Amen. Even on your worst day, his power, his goodness, his miracles, they are not affected by your worst day. Amen. In fact, he prepared for it. He planned for it. He, it, he took account for it. Mm. Somebody say faith. So what makes faith possible is the trustworthiness of the object of your faith, a.k.a. it's like asking yourself, is God trustworthy? See, to have faith in God is to believe that God is always telling the truth. To have faith in God is to believe that God is always telling the truth. Well, one of my, one of my favorite artists, there I go, that word favorite, I got to come up with something different, but an artist that I listen to, there we go, I like that. An artist I listen to, he said it best this way, he said, to believe in God is to believe that God is right about everything to believe in God is to believe that God is right about everything Uh, in verse 6 if you don't mind pulling verse 6 up please the author said and without faith living within us it would be impossible to please God 
For we come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. See, we must operate by faith even if you, uh, even if you have to go at it alone. Even if you have to go at it alone, you must operate by faith. Faith is what pleases God. It's so cool because it said faith is what pleases God. It didn't say if you read 20 chapters. It didn't say, if you, it didn't say anything about missing a verse. You know, sometimes we get busy and we miss a verse. We, we, we miss that reading time or we don't get to pray like we should. And instantly the enemy beats us up. Instantly the enemy's like, oh, you didn't pray. Uh, now, there's a difference between the enemy beating yourself up and you know and spiritually like, Man, what's this? What's it? Oh, I need to pray more. I can, I can feel that. It's it's like the it's like the gas in a car, you know. It's it's not a it's not um it's not the car's fault that you know the gas is empty. No, like you used it. Your spirit man has been has been running overtime, and eventually it's got it needs that you need that refill it. You need to look at the word and and uh, partake of the word, partake of his presence through prayer or or fast and remove that static. But the Bible said that faith, your firm persuasion in who he said he is, your firm uh, believing. I, I, I remember last year when uh, the Lord showed me that that word was firm persuasion. We did this analogy. I've said it before, but we did this analogy in youth service. And I had, I, had uh, I can say it now because he's not here, but one of my favorite students, I had him come up. Uh, I just, I loved him. He was, man, he was something. He was something else. He reminded me a lot of myself, and maybe that's why I liked him. But also, he was just—he was unique, and I think um, I think most people didn't understand that, and I saw that in him. So I wanted to just capitalize on his uniqueness. I remember having him come up at this big trash can. I, I said, "All right, hold my hand." So he held it, and uh, you know, he's just like you know, kind of goofy. I was like, "Just hold it." I said, "Now, no matter what, don't let go." And he said, okay. And I had already prepared the stuff. I kept a, a water bottle in the freezer to the point that it was almost like slushy. I mean, this thing was cold. All right. And living down in Florida, the moment it gets 60 degrees, everybody's like, oh, and the hoodies are out. Okay. Uh, I didn't believe it until two years into it. I'm like, shoo, it's a little chilly down here. You know, I didn't think it got chilly. And, you know, it'd be, you know, like 50 something. And I call up here and dad's like, oh, it's 32. And I'm like, oh, my knees. <laughs> so I remember pouring this, uh, this bottle of ice water on his hand uh, as he's holding my hand. I said, don't let go. And he's like, and everybody's just laughing and all this. I said, don't let go. No matter what, no matter what, don't let go. Do not let go. Do not let go. And water's getting in between our hands, but still he's holding tight. And I said, and that's what it means to have faith in God. That's that firm persuasion that no matter what life pours on you, you do not let go. Now, here's the thing. I never said that um, as life was pouring on it that, you know, he was going to be blocked. He was going to be shielded from the water, the iceness, the harshness, the bitterness of that. No, 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 no. God didn't promise that. He didn't promise that, you know, like, hey, if you follow me, you will never see a bad day in your life. No, he said trouble will what? Come. He said people will get offended by, uh, by you and at you just because you follow him, just because you choose to take the high road. People will get upset just because you choose to pray, just because you choose to not throw hands. People will get upset just because you choose to bless and not curse. People will get upset. But the goal is to not let go. The goal is to not let go. Tomorrow, you got to remind yourself, no matter who says what, I'm not going to let go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock arms with God. I'm going to, this firm persuasion, this firm grip I have, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. <clears throat> so, what does all this have to do with Advent, or what does this all have to do with us? Because understand this, as Jesus followers, we said the three practices that we're going to be talking about for this month within Advent are waiting with expectancy, 
hopeful anticipation and joyful preparation. Hopeful anticipation, joyful preparation, and waiting with expectancy. Waiting with expectancy. I was going to read this in the mirror translation, but I don't think I will today. Um, waiting with expectancy. So today we're talking about hope and faith. That's, that's the theme for Advent for week one. But the opposite of waiting would be uh, on demand. The opposite of waiting for something is instant. It's on demand, you know. Uh, depending on how well you want the food to be, you're either going to reheat it in the microwave or in the oven or the air fryer. Bless the Lord for the air fryer. Listen, when Kelsey's mom gave us the air fryer, at first I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I roll. I was like, oh, thank you. Woo. I can't remember what Kelsey cooked the first time in the air fryer, but buddy, <laughs> that air fryer made the move. I can tell you that. There's some stuff didn't make the move from Florida to Tennessee. Oh, the air fryer made it. Air fryer had VIP treatment. <laughs> but hey, hey, you know, just think about it, make sure, you know what I'm saying? That air fryer, good. Granny, listen, we was over at Granny's house helping with the decoration. I was just watching the kids because that's, that's yeah. And I'm just looking around the kitchen and what do I spot? I'm like, oh, what is that? All the way from the Himalayas? What is that, player, player? Is that an air fryer? I said, Drea. Granny got an air fryer. She said, yeah, she don't use it. I said, oh, I love the air fryer. This is why I've moved back. This is why I will put you to use, son. Every time I come over here, I will make sure you get you. Don't worry. Hope, hope has arrived. All right? Hope has arrived. I have come. I have returned. I don't know why we went down the air fryer rabbit trail, but we did. So if you have an air fryer, bless you if you don't get one. All right? This, this service is sponsored not by the air fryer. All right? <laughs> Yes, if you, I'm not a hot dog person. Oh, God, I'm not a hot dog person. But if you put it in the air fryer, buddy, I, I eat it. The air fryer, is, it's, heaven and, it's heaven all in one. It's like a little heaven compartment. God was like, you know, we're going to make a compartment of ourselves and call it an air fryer and send it down. And that's what he did, okay? But the hot dog is <laughs> cute. <laughs> I do know why we went down this rabbit trail now. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, you know, depending on how well you want the food to taste when you have to reheat it, you know, the leftovers or what we bring back from the restaurant, you're going to heat it in the microwave. It's not going to be good, but it'll be quick. It'll be ready. It's, it's going to be a little soggy. The bread's going to be mushy and soggy and don't have the same texture. You do it in the oven, it's going to be great. It's going to take, you know, all the way till next year before, it, before it's finally ready. You do it in the air, air fryer. is the best of both worlds. It's quick. And it's hot and fried, sizzle, it'll sizzle. Every, every leftover you got, there ain't going to be no leftover after it come out of the air fryer. See, and on demand and instant, they are the opposite of waiting. You know, during this time, um, uh, before Jesus was born, they were waiting. The, the nation of Israel, they were waiting. Somebody say waiting. Waiting. And, you know, with, uh, and understand this. You know, expected waiting, it's, it's resting, it's trusting that God has not and will not forget his promises. I'm going to say that again, expected waiting is all about resting and trusting that God has not and he will not forget his promises. See, the opposite of waiting is the on-demand, it's that instance. And, you know, think about the nation of Israel from the last, if you look in the Old Testament, from the last book of the Old Testament, to the book of the New Testament. First, from the, last, from the last book we see, it's 400 years. It's 400 years that they go without hearing from God. 400 years that they're waiting. I'll be honest, I couldn't have been in that time. I hope my faith, my waiting would have given out. 
But we see that there was still a remnant that waited and still believed in God. And guess what? We benefited from it. So therefore, in this season, when God has you to wait for different things, be thankful that we are not like them and having to wait 400 years on something. Be thankful, but also think, look at it this way. You are, the, you are the fruit of your ancestors. You are the fruit. You are who your ancestors waited for. Therefore, we should, we should take more stock in our lives. Amen. Hopeful anticipation. That's the second practice that we're practicing during, during this Advent time, during this season of Advent. Um, hopeful anticipation. The best way to think about hopeful anticipation is I remember last year when we was going to Disney World. Now, where we lived at the time, we lived at this apartment that was literally right next, well, both apartments were right next to the interstate. But um, literally, our spot was maybe an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, if that, from, from Disney World. So I remember, you know, we, uh, the night before, I'm excited, I'm, I'm giddy, the kids are excited, all that, or whatever. We get in the car next day, and like, they're excited. Now, we still got an hour and 10 minutes, but guess what? That excitement did not let up. It kept building, kept building. Yeah, Bill, I mean, they're noticing things that I don't even notice. They're like, oh, look at the Mickey Mouse billboard. We're still in Daytona, bro. We're still in Daytona. But they're just as if we're already there. They're, whoo, every mile we're getting closer. Woo, just all these different things and all these excitements, playing songs, playing. They can't even play tablets because they're so excited. And for them not to be able to play tablets is a big thing. And we're still a far way out, but the anticipation is growing and growing as we get closer and closer. Each mile, the anticipation builds. Each mile, the hope builds. And that's the best way to look at it. As uh, um, uh, understand this, this world offers nothing for your soul to have hopeful anticipation. This soul or this world has nothing for uh, nothing to for your soul, nothing to offer your soul to have hopeful anticipation. But Jesus does. Jesus does, and we know that as the days get darker and darker, we are getting closer and closer to that one day when he will return. See, as the world gets darker, as more viruses grow, as more variants come about, as the economy shifts even, uh, you know, as it shifts more, as it gets more unstable, as unemployment rises or drops, as it rises or drops, as, as politicians promise this and then uh, fail on those promises, or as schools implement this or take this out, as the world gets darker and darker, we know that we, just like the miles of us going from uh, Daytona to Disney World, as the boys were getting uh, more excited and anticipating every mile, they were getting closer and closer. As the days get darker and darker, we know, as Jesus follows, we are getting closer and closer and closer to that one day when Jesus will return and restore all things. And see, we forget about the day that he will restore all things. The Bible says that there's going to be what? No more death. No more death. No more burying loved ones. No more trying to make the most out of it because we don't know what tomorrow's going to be. No, no, no. When he returns, there's going to be no more of that. There's going to be no more lack. There's going to be no more strife. There's going to be no more having to wait in line for things. There's going to be no more bitterness. There's going to be no more malice. There's going to be no more anger. There's going to be no more sickness, no more disease, no more struggle. As the days get darker and darker, we're getting closer and closer to that. And that's what we have hopeful anticipation for. That's what we use this time from uh, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's what we use this time to remind ourselves that guess what? One day things are going to be perfect. Mm. No, 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 not just good. We're not, no, we're not like, oh, one day things are going to be good. Things are going to be bad. No, no, no. There's going to come a day where things are going to be perfect. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Amen. 
and we use this time to remind ourselves to celebrate. And, and as we remind ourselves that inspiration, it bubbles up in order for us to hold our head up at work, in, a, in order for us to not go off on people, in order for us to not be bitter, in order for us to not be rude, in order for us to, in order for us to love our kids, in order for us to love strangers, in order for us to bless people. Somebody say, why are you blessing me? Because I know that one day, one day the God I serve has provided a perfect kingdom for me. And one day I will get there. And as I get closer and closer, guess what? I'm just, I can't help it. I want to bless you because he has blessed me. Advent is about us preparing our hearts. Now, yes, we can't prepare our hearts for the birth of Christ because he's already been born, came, died, and sits at the right, uh, right side of heaven. Or right side of uh, right side of the Father, but we can. What we can do is prepare our hearts for His return. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about Advent, what they, what most, uh, what most teachers love to stress is, imagine if Jesus was to come back on December twenty fifth. And with this, this is how we talk about joyful preparation. I want to say this before we even get into that: we should be able to look at the calamity in society and instantly not lose hope but gain more hope because of the firm persuasion, the firm faith that we have in Jesus being our redeemer, our sustainer, our alpha and omega, our friend, our life giver, our everything. As the calamities of life grow more and more, we should have, or the grip that we have on God should get tighter. Mm. That's the question I want you to start asking yourself, especially uh, at the end of the day. How, Lord, how, how is my grip on you? How's my grip on your promises today? Was it, was it tight or was it loose? Did it get tighter? Because guess what? You can't break God's hand. You can't break God's hand. You know, if, if, if uh, after a while, you know, uh, if you were to shake somebody's hand and just start, uh, start to increase the intensity, somebody, one or the other is going to break. One or the other is going to break, but God's hand ain't going to break. Lord, did, did, how, how's my grip on your promises? How, how was my grip on your word? Did I, did I, did I, was I gripping your word tighter today? Or, or did it, or was it starting to slip through my fingers? Or, or better yet, did I put it down? Now, I'm not saying you walk around tomorrow at work with the Bible gripping it. You see the kids tomorrow. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm not saying you got to go to Walmart when you're getting that. You know, you can't even, you can't even grab a jar off the shelf because you got the grip of the word. Somebody says, is that you? Yes, it is. And this is my word. <laughs> the word, do you know him? Do you know him? I'm not saying you got to grip this when you go into a fight. I mean, you may need to grip it when you go into a fight in order to not throw hands. You're throwing the word. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying you got to physically go around gripping, a, gripping a, a, a big Bible. But what I'm saying is the grip that we have on the, prom- on the promises of God, the grip that we have on who God truly says he is, on his character, the firm persuasion, is it firm? But the third practice, like I said, is joyful preparation. So uh, what we're going to be, the, the filter or the template every week is um, waiting with expectancy, hopeful anticipation, and joyful preparation. And then next week, obviously, we'll talk about the next theme as well. But the third practice with joyful preparation, Epiphany is December 25th. Jesus, uh, but I, I said it earlier, you know, some people, t- they love to look at Advent this way, and, and I don't because it kills my flesh which that means it's a good thing, amen? If it crucifies your flesh, if, if it mortifies your flesh, then yeah, it's, it's a good thing. 
And some teachers, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh. <laughs> Cohen, you better, you better amen me, baby. All right. <laughs> but some teachers, they love to teach <clears throat> Advent this way. They said, if, if Jesus was to return on December 25th, would you and I be ready? And instantly, you know, any uh, anytime I hear that statement, would you be ready? I think of the song by Commission, would you be ready? Yeah, mm-hmm. When Jesus comes, will you be ready when he, oh, when he comes? You know, you got to throw the, oh, when he comes. It's, it's a powerful song. I remember as a kid, I didn't like it because it would, it would scare me. I'm like, I'm not... You know, as a kid, I even, I had the, I had the, I, you know, it's, it, it would scare, it would scare me. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ready, you know. You know, I didn't fully understand the question. I was, as a kid, I still had the same mindset of God was coming back for the perfect church. And I'm like, well, you know, we have leets in the ceiling or, you know, the carpet ain't done. You know, we're not perfect. He's going to skip over us. So, you know, then when it came time to clean, I had a passion to clean the church. And then it wasn't until later, mom finally explained to me as I was crying in the car one day, and I explained to her why I was crying. She's like, baby, that's, that's not what it means when it says the perfect church. I was like, okay, so, so we have a chance. <laughs> okay, okay we, we got a chance. <laughs> we ain't got a vacuum no more now. We good. <laughs> oh, we ain't got a vacuum. That's probably, now when, that's probably why now when they're like, let's clean the church. I'm like, oh, we you know, we good. He's he's going. He's not. That's not what he looking. For. That's not the standard. That's not. Who wants worshipers? Okay, just lift your hands and make sure you're ready. All right, you know. <laughs> but some teachers, when they teach Advent, they say, you know, if Jesus were to return on December 25th, would you be ready? Or watch this. Would you be ready? Or would you be? And I remember when I taught this in youth, it really hit. Uh, back when we was in Bristol, I remember when I taught this. Like it really hit. I mean, it hit, and hopefully it does today. But what would be what would be excited? What would be ready if he were to return this year on December 25th, 2021? Or would we be sad because there's things that we wanted to do in our life before he came? And see, this this hits home for me because I understand this as a parent. Guess what I want? I want to see my great grandchildren. As a parent, I want to see my great, I want to be like granny. I want to see my great grandchildren. I want to have a house. I want to have I want to have the Waltons of, of my house. You know, we may not have all the accents. I don't want the overalls, but I just want it full. I want it full, full, full of generations of generations. Why? Because God is good. Amen. Why? Because God is good, and God has brought me through a whole lot of stuff. Amen. So I, that's one of my desires to have it. But at the same time, do I desire that more than I desire Jesus to return? And here's the question. You know, we all have this list of things we want to see in our lives. But if Jesus were to show up on December 25th, will we be excited or will we be sad because, oh, man, I, I, you know, I wanted to see my kids get married or I wanted to have kids or I wanted to get married or I wanted to graduate from school or, or I wanted to do all these different things. And here's the thing. If that's the case, and that means that we place all those, we prioritize all those, we put those, all those on the shelf above where Jesus should be sitting. What would be excited? And that's what Advent is all about, is preparing your heart. If he were to come, would your heart be excited? Would your heart be ready? Or would your heart be sad and bitter because there were so many other things that your life was holding on to to happen before you found true satisfaction, before you found true validation? It's a tough pill to swallow. 
because I, I do get sad about missing uh, the weddings or the, or the graduations or all those things if, if, if he came. And if that's the case, then guess what? I had to check myself. I had to check my heart. We have to check our heart. We have to check ourselves to make sure that, okay, Lord, yes, I, I'll, if all those things happen, that is a blessing. But it's nothing compared to you. Amen. It's nothing compared to you coming and restoring all things. It's nothing compared to you coming and restoring no more death, uh, no more death. No more lying, no more stealing, no more cheating, no more, no more sinning, no more malice, no more anger, no more lack, no more sickness and disease. You know what? Lord, if you came in and restored all that tomorrow, I would find joy in it. I would, be, I would give up the weddings. I would give up the graduation. I would give up the house full of the Walton-sized families if that meant that you were coming tomorrow. And a lot of times, most believers, we can't say that. And that's why we have this four-week period to get our hearts there, to get our hearts there. Not saying, that, not saying that we throw all those desires, not saying we throw all those hopes and dreams in the trash. No, no, no. It just means that we prioritize them right. Amen. It means we prioritize them right. You know, when you get up in the morning, there's certain things that you have prioritized, whether it's physically, spiritually, mentally. So guess what? Spiritually, we need to start prioritizing the right things, the right things. It's time that we put Jesus back on top. Amen. Amen. It's time we put his kingdom back on top. It's time we put his agenda back on top. Like when we was worshiping, we had, we had a, some, some sort of a set list plan, and in the midst of singing that second song, I'm like, man, we just need to stay here. We just need to camp out here. That's what it looks like putting God on top, just practicing of, you know what, God? Okay, let, let, you take the will. You, you take the reins. You, I'm just going to follow you, even if that means, even if that means uh, the surroundings don't change. A lot of times we get discouraged when we're praying and we're believing and we're fasting, but guess what? We still got to go to the same job. Or guess what? We still got that one cousin. Or guess what? We still got that one uncle or auntie, or we still got to see that one person at Walmart. We still got to be checked out by that one lady that takes her time at Walmart. We, we get so discouraged, or, or we still got to stop traffic because this one person is walking in the middle of the road. We get so discouraged when the surroundings don't change. Man, could you, could you imagine uh, the nation of Israel? They were, so, they were, they were looking at the prophecies and looking at the scrolls of, of Moses and all the prophets and, and, and read about this coming king that was going to come and restore all things. And when they laid eyes on the baby and they're like, what's this? And you know, we, we forget, and I'm saving this, I'm saving it so I won't go into it too much, but we're saving it for um, the Sunday before Christmas. But understand, Jesus was, he wasn't, you know, born in a luxurious uh, uh, hospital. He wasn't born in the grandest hospital. He wasn't born in the grandest house. He was, he was born out in a barn. A barn. A barn. You know, uh, you know what we're all going to do? We're all going to just forsake uh, that uh, indoor plumbing. God. Forsake the indoor plumbing, air conditioning, heating and air tonight. We're all going to, I'm pretty sure you go knock on a farmer's door and say, you know what, sir, I want to go sleep in, your, in, uh, in the biggest uh, cattle trough that you have. That farmer's going to look at you like, what in the world? And you know, give me, give me some hay to make a little cushion. Give me, give me some hay to put that in that cattle trough. No. No, no, we, we wouldn't do that. We, we wouldn't forsake our bed for that, but... The Savior of the whole world was born in that type of environment. And I'm going to close with this. The Savior of the whole world was born in that type of environment. So it was, it threw the whole, it threw everybody off to say, that's God? 
And then for him to do what he did, they're like, whoa, that's God. And that God wants to come and will come someday, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's who knows when. No man knows the day or the hour. Not even Jesus knows the day or the hour when Abba will make it happen. But will we be ready? Will we be ready? Is our hearts ready? That's, that's what these nets, uh, that's what these nets, what, 27 days are about. It's about uh, making sure that we prioritize the Lord as first place. It's about making sure that we prioritize the Lord as first place. It's about knowing that you have the guest of honor, the guest. It's about knowing that you have the guest coming, coming home and making sure that, okay, my, my spiritual home, my heart, it's ready. My mind is ready. All the things that I need to take care of, okay. Let, let's, let's, go, let's go and clean this up. God, I, I, this is why, what, what do I need to clean up, God? David said in Psalms 139, search me, O Lord. Sometimes we may need to say that, Lord, search me. I think I know what I need to clean up, but you know what? You, you do the inventory. You search me. Whatever needs to be removed, remove it. Whatever needs to grow, pour water on it. Give me the grace to handle the fertilizer. Give me the grace to handle the fertilizer. Give me the grace to handle the growing process. You know, a lot of times the, the form of preparation is, uh, it's, you know, Advent is not meant to be morbid. It's not meant to be depressing or sad. It's, but it's meant to bring joy. It's meant to be like, okay, Yes we, have to, yes, we have to look inwardly and make sure that we are ready. But at the end of the day, it's meant to bring joy. The preparation that we do is meant to be through a joyous lens. It means that we are, well, uh, the means we operate out of joy, gratitude, and peace as we move other things off the first place spot in our hearts. We should be joyful as we watch less TV and read more scripture. Shoo, that hurts. We should be less, or we should be more joyful as we watch less homework. There we go. That works better. <laughs> we should be more joyful as we watch less sports and action and stuff. We should be more joyful as we fast and pray. We should, we should sing songs and melodies from our heart out of love for God and not obligation. We, we have to ask ourselves the tough questions in order to remove the right hindrances in order to remove the right hindrances. And I really am done with this. So I have one application for everybody. You don't have to do this. Um, you can do it whether it's, uh, whether it's through your phone or if you wanna create your own. But uh, during this time, in order for us to truly uh, go along with the season of Advent, we need to have a devotion. We need to have where we get up in the morning and we're at least reading a verse. Or sometime during the day, we're reading a verse and we're thinking about that verse. We need to have some time of where we pray, whether it's, whether it's five minutes, one minute, whatever it is. You need to be reading. You need to be praying. But also, we need to, we need to give our mind or our spirit man some food for thought. Whether it's a challenge or whether it's, whether it's an idea or whether it's, you know, I read this in the scripture. I wonder why it says that. And then you just think about that question the whole day. Well, why does it say that? Why, why did the author write that? Why did the author write that? And, and think about it until it moves you to the point where you research it on your own. You know, you can create this on your own or you can look up some. I, um, there is actually an app. And if you want to, I can show it to you later um, at the, uh, after service is over. It's called, um, it's called A Good Advent. And within this app, it has the scripture, it has, a, it has prayer, it has an audio version of the scripture read, and it changes every day. But then also it has a, it has a painting as well. And I remember when it, uh, when it first popped up, the picture of the painting, I was like, what is this? This is kind of odd. 
But then I read the scripture, and it was about God stepping in out, stepping, uh, uh, God being the, the source of light and stepping into darkness. The book of Genesis chapter one. I was like, whoa. And it just made everything. And I remember I read this right before I went to work. And you know what I thought about most of the day? Uh, all these questions came up. Well, I wonder why. Why did God do it this way? You know, what, 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 what did my mind started to think? Well, what did it look like this way? And what, did, and what about this? And what about that? And to the point that before, uh, before y'all got back yesterday from the trip, I was researching when I got home. It was one of the main things that I thought about. And that's what happened. It's about preparing. It's about making sure that Christ is the forefront of your mind and your heart. So I encourage you, whatever, if, whether it's downloading that app or whether it's doing it on your own or, or getting in, uh, uh, praying with other people or whatever it is, but make sure that you are doing what you need to do to put Christ at the forefront of your mind. Not saying that, that you can't watch TV, not saying you can't watch news, not saying you can't watch Hallmark or movies or sports or anything. What I'm saying is make sure that he's first. That's, that's it. That's it. Make sure that he is first. Make sure that he's first because guess what? If he's not first, then whenever he does happen, whenever he does come, the truth will be exposed. Whether you're joyous or bitter, the truth will be exposed. And you know what? How sad will it be that worthy is the lamb, the lamb that was slain for the earth? How sad would it be that he were to show up and we would be, oh man, God, I had so much I wanted to do. You know, when we was worshiping, I, I, all I could think about was Revelation chapter 5, verse 4, what we read last week about how, you know, the, uh, all of heaven got solid and who was worthy to open up a scroll. And nobody could say anything because every person knew that they didn't make it to heaven based on their own merit. And finally, somebody stands off in the distance and yells, he's worthy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. He is worthy to open the scroll. And all of heaven rejoiced. Only God's worthy. And when we were singing that, I, I felt for a moment that we were joining in with the angels when they, when the Bible says that they look at God and they say, holy, holy, holy. And they, and they circle around the throne and they see God again. Yes, they've seen him, but they see a new side of him. And all they can say is, God, holy, holy, holy. And they circle around. And it's just a constant as they're circling around, they're seeing a new side of God. The way we see new sides of God is by seeking him, by purposely, intentionally digging in and seeking him, reading, praying, fasting, meditating, singing songs and melodies from your heart out of joy, not obligation. Yesterday, I'm delivering mail and here I am. I'm like, bless, bless. I'm singing Fred Hammond. I'm singing all kind of stuff. stuff that, and I, and I, for, to the point I'm blaring it from my phone and it, it doesn't match up physically what I'm doing. I'm singing, you made a way, throwing, just throwing packages in there, doop, scanning, doop, doop, bats against the wall, doop, 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 looked as if it was over, oh, you got karaoke killing it in the car. But it wasn't out of obligation. It was out of, God, I can't, I, I couldn't wait to get home and read, I've tried to find some answers to what he had already put in my heart. But then also, I, it was just bubbling up because I was like, God, you made, oh, God, you made a way. To the point, at one point, I was crying as I'm putting letters in. God, you made a way. You did this. You gave me my kids. You gave me my wife. You gave me my parents. You gave me my friends, my family, my village. You gave me this church, Lord. You gave me air. To the point that it just bubbled over. And it couldn't, it, it couldn't stay solid. It couldn't stay content. It couldn't stay contained. That's what this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas should look like to the point that the joy of the Lord cannot stay silent within you. And it may look like you just respecting people. It may look like you holding your tongue when you want to tell people off. 
It may look like you singing songs and melodies from your heart. It may look like you seeking God. And that's what we're going to take these next four Sundays to talk about is seeking God to the point that if, if Jesus were to return or whenever he returns, but if he were to return on December 25th, we're ready. But whenever he returns, we are ready. We said it. I said at the very first sermon, I said, we are going to be a church that obsesses more about who God is make, uh, causing us to become more than who's coming to the church. Because listen, God seeks people that are worshipers. John 4, I promise I'm in it. John 4, 20, uh, 19 through 23. God is seeking worshipers. He's only going to bring people around worshipers. He's only going to fill church that is led by worshipers. I'm not saying people that just throw their hands up and sing 24-7, day, night, night and day, let worship arise. No, people that have that closeness with God, people that have that intimacy with God, people that can look into them and see that there is God, people that reflect the glory of God. We want a full church. Guess what? We got to start reflecting the glory of God. We want a full church. We got to look more and more like God. We got to sound like him. We got to talk like him. We got to empathize like he does. Do we have to say, thus thee thou know? We have to love. We have to love. We have to love. We have to show grace. We have to show mercy. People can recognize when something is real. You can recognize when something is real. We are drawn to real things as human beings. People will be drawn to a real church that reflects a real God. Not a church that looks like a real God. A church that reflects a real God. Amen. 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 Every, oh, oh, well, uh, uh. Amen. So let, let, let's pray real quick and then we're going to and then we'll take up the offer. Lord, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you started. Yes. Yes, 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 Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for what you started. Oh, God, thank you for what you started. Thank you for what you started. Thank you for what you started. Lord, I know you were up to something good. Lord, I know you were up to something good. Lord, there's been so. Ah, mm, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I know it in my nowhere. I know it in my nowhere beyond a shadow of doubt. You are doing something. You are doing something. You are doing something, Lord. Whatever would cause us to not be, uh, not be submissive and receiving spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally, remove those things right now, God. But Lord, as we've learned about Advent, as, we, as we've uh, reminded ourselves of what faith truly is, help us to keep that firm persuasion on you, Lord. Lord, life is life, and it is not fun at times. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's sometimes it's it's high, sometimes it's low, Lord. But no matter what, the one constant is you, Lord. Help us to remember that. Help us to seek it. Help us to know it. Not just when days are good, but even when days are bad. Help us to know that you are our true north. Yeah, God, help us to know you are our true north. Lord, bless this word that come forth today, Lord. Let it go deep into the soils of our heart. Let it produce the right type of fruit. Lord, give us the, give, uh, remind us, challenge us, quicken us tomorrow to pray, quicken us to read, quicken us to, to seek food for thought, quicken us to think about you, to love on you, Lord, to sing songs and melodies from our heart. may not be a full song, Lord. We don't have to have a track. It could just be a little, a little humming of a chorus or a little humming of a bridge or humming of a, whatever it is, Lord. Not out of obligation, but because uh, who you are and how grateful we are for you. Who you are and how grateful we are for you. Bless us in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Everybody said.